All right, we are live. Welcome back to the High Kind. It's me, Huntley. I'm with David, and Andy's back with us this week. Uh, Hi. We, we assumed you were murdered on a black side. I mean, not yeah. quite, but is that what you guys did? Did you just go off on a rant about me missing because I got kidnapped or something? No, we said that there were demonic catfish in demonic Lake Lanier. Catfish. Demonic catfish mm-hmm. in Lake Lanier. And that is what happened is basically that there's not ghosts. There Mm -hmm. are oversized catfish in Lake Lanier that drag people down and drown them because the girl was missing her hands. And that was who the myth was that she was dragging people down. But I was like, she doesn't have hands. So how is she doing that? And the uh, the fairy to the underworld might also live there. Yeah, yeah, the fairy to the underworld. That was the that was that story was the one that stuck with me the most. I'm gonna have mm-hmm. to listen to that episode. I haven't had a chance, so but that sounds interesting. Okay, demonic catfish yeah. and uh, the fairy to the underworld. Are we talking about like the boatman from uh, Greek mythology, uh, Karen? Or it was basically it was basically the boatman, and mm-hmm. he was on a swamp, and he yelled at fishermen at like late at night, and he jumped into the water and swam at them. That sounds about right. He's kind of grumpy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and all his depictions. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, okay, cool. Interesting. So that's like, the. Uh, I definitely need to, to listen to that. I've never actually done any or, or read anything about haunted lakes or anything like that. It's, they're interesting. They're very interesting. I didn't, know, I didn't know it was a whole thing. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Lake Lanier, like the amount of people that have died in it. It's pretty mm-hmm. astounding, mm-hmm. and it's uh, are they all basic... different? I assume. <laughs> no, they're just lots of drownings, lots of boat accidents, like at a higher mm-hmm. rate than your other lakes. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, right. I figured that would be our way to kick off Halloween. But uh, tell yeah. us what you're telling us about tonight. Well, I'm setting it up for scarier stuff, basically. So uh, we're doing. I'm going to do trance channeling, <clears throat> kind of throughout the ages. And I'm going to take it from some of the more uh, lighter stuff. And what channeling is, is where people enter trances and they channel uh, entities, we'll just say. Some people consider them to be aliens. Other people consider them to be angels. You know, there's been all sorts of interpretations as to, like, basically who, the, what the channel, the people who are doing the channeling, who they think they're talking to, basically. Um, or Or what this entity presents themselves as is a better way to put that as well. So, and this has been something that goes on. It's not, it's a, it's a very popular modern phenomenon. There's more than a few cults that have popped up, um, you know, kind of from channelers and trans channelers and things like that. Uh, Many of them still active today um, and are basically supposedly according to to them receiving messages from either the other side or aliens or something like that and they use that basically to define their spiritual beliefs so i'm going to touch on some of the lighter ones at first then take it to some of the darker ones because this often 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 goes awry uh from pretty much most of my research over the years channelers they're basically like open divination they're basically they are the divination tool you know, they and they're an open channel, kind of like a Ouija board or something like that. Mm-hmm. The, and the problem with that is if they don't protect themselves when they start doing this, the the channel can get hijacked by negative entities or whatever. So, and there's examples of that 
<clears throat> that kind of uh and then they get darker and darker and darker you know and so i figured that's a good way to transition also into the halloween thing because this can kind of be a springboard for possession stuff hopefully that'd be cool so yeah that's basically what i'm talking about familiar with uh i know huntley you're familiar with obviously some of the people i'm talking about tonight like uh alistair crowley and john d and things like that have you heard david what are you familiar with or have you followed channeling at all or any of these kind of the only people? one that comes to mind off the top of my head is <clears throat> i th- I can't remember if it was the whole documentary or if it was like a segment of it, but it was called What the Bleep Do We Know? Uh huh. Yeah. And it's this, yeah. So, you, yeah. So there was one part where this chick basically has a cult where she thinks yep. that yeah. she's channeling the spirit of Ramatha or something. Ram- Ramatha. Yep. Yep. The Amazonian like spirit goddess or something. Mm-hmm. So she's it, like, it's, the a, it's a Lemurian. It's okay. a Lemurian, I believe, Dave. <laughs> Get it right. Sorry. I'm a little bit fuzzy on the details. It's been like mm. 20 years since I watched it. My bad. <laughs> Has it been out that? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that like 15, 20 years. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been out for a um, long ass time. Basically, they take quantum mechanics and they just kind of really they pervert a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, basically. They butcher it so well, that's, bad. That's good. Rantha was going to be one of my honorable mentions. Um, so that knocks that one out. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to be touching Edgar Casey. I guess is who I'll start with. For those familiar, I grew up reading books of his that my uh, my mom and dad had, and he wrote on all sorts of things. Uh, well, I say wrote. Actually, his he had a he had someone transcribing things for him. He was uh, his nickname was the Sleeping Prophet. He was born in 1877 and died in 1945. He was um. He's kind of the, considered the forefather of the modern New Age movement in a lot of ways. He coined a lot of terms that are even still used today, like Akashic Record and and things and um, uh, you know things like that. He he uh, kind of set the tone, um, and you'll see this whole era. It was very seemingly very important for a lot of these kind of spiritual experiences. Um, but he was. Um, Largely responsible, especially in the United States, for this the the kind of spiritual uh, revival in the New Age sense. I guess we mm-hmm. would call it today, um, although that was not his intent. I don't believe. Astonishing Legends uh, podcast I've mentioned before. They actually have a really good episode. Multi, it's a multi episode on him, and it breaks down uh, his life. And I recommend people that want deeper knowledge on him uh, kind of go and either you know pick up books. Obviously, if you want to to read uh transcripts of his readings but you could also if you want to get back a lot of the background like his upbringing and stuff like that you should um definitely listen to their episode on him but he was um uh he would basically go into these trances where he would fall asleep and he learned how to do this when he was a kid and it was in response to if i remember correctly trauma due to parental abuse i believe uh, he was from Kentucky and he was raised, you know, this was the 1800s when he was born. So discipline was kind of, of children was viewed very differently, but he started hearing a voice kind of direct him and what to do because he had problems in school. Um, and that was part of why he was being abused and he, he was having trouble learning and he started, I believe, hearing a voice tell him, uh, kind of what to do and essentially taught him how to enter a trance while sleeping 
but while sleeping on top of a book to absorb the information in the book. I can't remember the term for this. It's a, it's one of the believed psychic powers. Um, you know, they all have different names like clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, but I can't remember the name for that, uh, that one, but he would do this and he actually is kind of what's got him through, uh, his schooling and things like that and helped quite a bit. Although I don't, I can't remember if his parents actually believed he could do it or not, but as he got older, I believe started doing it. He started entering these trance states and started talking during them. And what he basically would start talking about all sorts of things. He could be asked questions while in this state and he would respond, but it wasn't really him responding. It wasn't, they didn't use the same um, verbiage. They didn't have the same, you know, like you can tell when you're talking to two different people, you know, everyone has this kind of unique uh, dialect and upbringing and things like that that defines how they talk and uh, who they're friends with defines it. So this was like a totally different, different, you know, voice. And you could ask questions and get answers. And so uh, I believe, I can't remember when, which subjects it started with. I want to say health readings because that's one of the things he became most famous for. Uh, people uh, would basically send in their letters about their ailments um, and things like that. And he would enter these trance states. And he would give readings and this other entity would answer and give give uh, medical advice, basically, which was always kind of a, a <laughs> kind of a walking on a razor's edge uh, for him. But the a lot of them did actually work from what I remember. I have actually personally tried out some of the holistic medicine uh, that was derived from his readings before, and I've had it work as well. So it, it was that was one of the more controversial parts of his readings. And one of the, the biggest ones, too, uh, was these health readings and things like that. He re he also did these readings based off donation. Um, so he struggled financially for most of his life, which to me says that's a count against him being a charlatan, you know, um, because he wasn't doing it for profit. And he was, they, didn't, uh, they didn't go evangelical uh, TV preacher and was like. I can yeah. cure you, blah, 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 but give me, tide me like all your money so I can have this huge mansion. He didn't go Joel yeah. Olstein, basically. Ex exactly. I don't know if Joel Olstein is a spiritual healer. I don't know much about uh, him, but I'm going to assume so. Yeah, I don't know if he is or not. I don't know if he does any of that hands on uh, or uh, healing or anything Demon like that. Demon be gone. Be gone. No, yeah. I don't know, actually, because, you know, I don't waste my time with people like Joel Osteen. I know yeah. enough about him. No, I don't like him. Um, yeah, same, same. Yeah, basically. Right. Um, the, uh, yeah, he didn't really do any of that. He didn't take advantage of it. And so he suffered financially from, for a, a long time um, and had his ups and downs and things like that. Um, some of the other subjects he would talk about, though, was he started started doing these readings well, while he was doing readings for people for health, uh, suddenly past life information started flooding in if it was related to their current ailments. So, uh, which is something I've seen before for people who have these like inexplicable ailments, like, you know, pains or that kind of stuff in their side or just certain parts of their bodies. And they have some relation to how they died in their previous lifetime. Uh, I've seen videos of like reverse hypnotherapy and, and stuff like that about that. So I assume maybe there's some link there because he started going into that information. 
And that started a whole new area of people asking him information, you know, about, you know, who was I and whatever lifetime or blah, blah, blah. Did I ever live in ancient Egypt or Rome or whatever? But he started uh, giving these past life readings and going into detail. And then he started going into other subjects, like when people had lifetimes in Atlantis. So Edgar Cayce is a very, aside from Plato, uh, is one of the sources that has heavily influenced the Atlantis myth. There are references to what society was like, the type of entities that existed and people and things like this. Uh, There seemed to eventually be, there was like a religion that was referenced, I believe, as the Law of One, which is another one of the channelings we'll talk about in a a minute. He talked about future events as well, uh, catastrophic events and stuff, and many of those haven't played out. So the past stuff, you know, who knows, right? As a diviner, I know future divination is extremely fucking hard uh, to be accurate <clears throat> because of free will and, and cause and effect and chaos theory and all these things. You know, it's it's very hard to to figure out exactly how something's going to play out. So I don't hold the, the future divination stuff being wrong against them no more than I do Nostradamus, probably. But so he talked about all these different things and, and his... Um, transcripts and the books about um he also talked a lot about jesus's life because he was asked questions about that because he was personally a very 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 christian and it made him highly uncomfortable in the beginning when he was doing these readings because he's talking about reincarnation and all these different subjects that he didn't even personally believe in which yeah could have been an act i guess but unlikely to me he seemed to be like a very genuine person to me. He actually, to the point where later on, <clears throat> the entity that was speaking through him later on identified itself as Halaliel, which is an angelic name. He said that he's the angel of karma. Mm-hmm. That he only really identified himself once. Or that's not, I think troubling. That's not troubling at all. Well, uh, I guess in... I mean, it's not troubling to me on this one because it's like he clearly if if this is where the information has been coming from, he clearly isn't he has good intent because he's healing people. You know, Mm -hmm. he's he's not encouraging Edgar Casey to do anything based out of pride. Right. You know, he's not trying to. Well, yeah, maybe very long (laughs) game. And then it's just Casey died. So it was like, well, well, I tried. Well, actually, no. What happened was Halalia warned him against over overdoing it with the readings because uh, Casey kept trying to do too many and it was weakening him. And and Halaliel told him, if you if you do over a certain amount each day, you're going to die, basically. And Casey didn't listen. And eventually he died of a stroke from exhaustion. Mm-hmm. So... I think it's the opposite with this one. I think, you know, whether you consider this an angels or ETs or whatever, like, I think this was a positive entity, no matter what you think it is. You know what I mean? You know, like, whatever, whether you think it's an alien or whatever you think this communication was coming from, I think it, that one clearly seemed to be a positive entity. And I think they were trying to do good as much as they could, you know. You know, what are your, your thoughts? Casey's a big one, so he's uh, influenced a lot. Yeah, yeah. I like I haven't dived in as much Casey as I have other other people we're talking about later. Yeah. But I see I understand his significance and I understand his yeah. influence. Yeah. And you it, think it, 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 what are your thoughts on the entity? The entity mm, 
from what you from from what I'm understanding, it doesn't seem like it was particularly malicious, but also at the same time, I'm I'm pretty distrustful of a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> you never know who you're talking to. Ex- exactly, as somebody yeah. that does, that, you know, yeah. when I do mm-hmm. these things myself, yeah, exactly. I, always, yeah. I am always going. What mm-hmm. if something is trying to mislead me? You have to discern. Yeah, you have to use discernment, and you have to be skeptical at all times. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like my, my like generally speaking my experiences when practicing this stuff has been yeah. like positive. I've never felt like I'm being lied to. Yeah, see that's the thing for me <clears throat> because I talked to one of my guides through divination and um you know that relationship has been built up over time so I I have a level of trust because I haven't been misguided. I don't believe like there's been things that have been wrong. Yeah. But I think it's sort of like for me, it's like it's like playing charades with someone blindfolded. I yeah. have to it's not a two-way conversation and I have to discern what she's trying to say, you know. And that's very complicated to do. Um and I think a lot of the misinterpretations and stuff and I've gotten a lot better over time, but like you, I felt nothing but love and 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 especially like her interests are to my like benefit. There's never been like she's supposed to be a guide and a mentor. That's the thing. I've never gotten like a a really <clears throat> I've I've had those moments, of course, where I've been like, you know what? Am I being like am, is this some trick? Am I being right? conned? Yeah, but at the end of the day, all her actions have always come from a place of love. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's if that's the case, you know what I mean? Like she never has tried to blow my ego up. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. There's never, never been that. It's quite the opposite. It's been like, if I fuck up, she's like, yeah, you just fucked up. <laughs> yeah. It's it's tough yeah. love, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But it's not. And that's but, a shit test. That's always been a shit test for me is if they do anything to blow your ego up, they're not what they seem. Yeah. Yeah. Bail. <laughs> bail, yeah. bail immediately. Yeah. If, any, if any yeah. of our listeners, you know, play with boards or whatever <clears throat> or yeah. whatever, like yeah. if they're, if they are fluffing you up mm-hmm. and yeah building you up then mm-hmm. most likely they don't have your best interest in heart yep. and there's going to be some trickery down the line yeah a lot of people fall for that trap i've seen mm-hmm. especially in the new age movement and stuff and oh especially and in the new age movement yeah yeah they're, sure. they're just told these wonderful things about themselves and that they're special you're like yeah yeah everyone's special unique i get yeah okay but yeah. like they go overboard <laughs> like yeah. you know like, you're the fucking best. You're the fucking best witch on social media. Yeah, or because the thing you're is, you're going to write a new fucking mm-hmm. fantastic book or whatever. It's just like no. Well, you need somebody that's like, honest with you. Well, it's not like that can't be true. But yeah. the thing about it is that you would also be like if 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 this information is being given to you in the proper manner, as far as like not blowing your ego up, it's gonna impress like humility as well, like. For me, a sign of someone like that who is genuine is they're also humble, Mm -hmm. you know, because part of the spiritual path for me has been lots and lots of humbling experiences that have broken my ego down to a point where I'm just like, I don't know shit. (laughs) Like, I don't know anything. I fail and fail and fail. And that just whittles that ego down, you know, like, yeah. What you want. What you want is a friend. And not yeah. a fucking hype man. An on yeah, an honest mm-hmm. friend who's going to tell you when yeah. you're fucking up. Yeah, it's out of love. 
that's what yeah, it yeah, is. For sure. Yeah. That's kind of been so, my experience with a lot of uh interactions with whatever entities you want to call them. A lot mm-hmm. of them are like either neutral or like yeah. they want to yeah. help, but they're not, you know, like buttering up your ego. No. There have been there's been at least one that was like offering me something. I'm like, this <clears throat> yeah. I don't trust this. Yeah. This sounds very sinister. Yeah. Um, well, but most of yeah. them have been like, you know, hey, if you want to figure shit out, I'll show you the path, but you gotta like you gotta do the work. Yeah, you gotta do the my, work. Well, that's the thing. My a lot of my interactions have been with my guides and and um they have changed over time, but one of them one of them was like he was an older man and like he was sarcastic and like like if i would say something he would just or if i would like ask for something he'd be like kind of like are you sure you're ready for that you know like he was like questioning what i wanted you know what i mean like <laughs> I, w- I was you know you're talking about entities trying to give you stuff and i, I was like asking for stuff and he's like dude like what, the, what are you doing <laughs> he's like all right yeah. fine it's like i'll yeah, do it right. if you want but like, slow your roll man slow your roll yeah well, that's always my problem. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, slow down. Um, but yeah, so in this case, Edgar Casey, I think this was a positive entity, as far as I can, uh, in my discernment from my studies over the years. And of course, this is just a short summary of, of stuff. Yeah. You know, I, you've done more background on him, but you yeah. said he was extremely, like, not extremely religious, but, you know, uh, Christian. Christian. Yeah. Christian. Yeah. And Kentucky Christian, so Southern mm-hmm. Christian, which is like we're all we all know about Southern Christians. They are they're they're yep. a different breed. Mm-hmm. And yep. oh yeah, was there any sort of issues he had being a Christian as well as being able to channel? Oh yeah, in the beginning, it caused him a lot of distress, and I think I think his this Halaliel, if this was his guide, uh, I think he helped a lot. Um, and this is a common theme too. You see with other psychic mediumship, like um, people that communicate with the dead, those those kind of mediums. One I was listening to the other day, Jim Hunt interview uh, with him that was on uh, Astonishing Legends. But he his guides communicate with him um, and kind of interpret information and help him interpret information from the other side. You know, so again, this is like a very common theme with people who have sp- psychic gifts is that you get a mentor to teach you how to use them. <laughs> so I think Edgar became more comfortable over time, you know, um, as that, as that cognitive dissonance probably dissipated because he, he realized he was using this for good and that, you know, the Christian, that at least the, the God of Jesus, not the old Testament God, the new Testament God at least would probably look kindly upon that. You know what I mean? No matter what anyone's opinion of his gifts, you know, whether they mm-hmm. believe he was a charlatan or a, a, you know, a wizard or, or whatever, you know? So mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think he came to terms with it over time. So, and I think that's probably with the help of his, his guide and, and through doing good with his abilities, which is important uh you know to note you know that's how he kind of he embraced them over he eventually had to embrace them he found a way to do it in the constructs of his personal moral belief system so but yeah i think it, it was interesting i think it worked out well for him and um except the fact that he also did 
you know, like, cause he, he, even though he struggled financially, like there were times when things were good, like when they were living at Virginia beach, but, uh, which they moved there for his health. But, you know, that's the other thing about people that are healers that are here to do good. Sometimes they don't know when to set those personal boundaries for themselves. That's important because if you don't, your ability might kill you <laughs> if it's like yeah. his, you know, yeah. or if, or if you're in, just a healer in general, you know, like of any kind. You have to, you have to protect yourself too, you know? So, um, but yeah, that actually, I'll move on here. Uh, I'm going to go to law of one. This is an, one of the, um, early on in my, my current leg of my spiritual journey, I was studying about four to five years ago, I was studying law of one and it was an important kind of stepping stone and opened my mind up to different ideas. Law of one was in 1981 to 1984. It was three people, and the Don Elkins, Carla L. Rukert, and James McCarthy, who I think went by Jim. Uh, so these three, I think Don and Carla had been working together, uh, trying to do things like channeling and stuff that like that for a few years before uh, the Law of One stuff started, and I think that began um, when they kind of joined up with Jim. Uh, it says Carla began channeling in 1974. Uh, she continues these activities to this day, I believe. I believe she's still alive. I think so, yeah. Uh, she married Jim in the long run. This story is kind of a cautionary tale. A lot of good information came out of the Law of One channelings. Um, Law of One, obviously, I mentioned, was referenced by Edgar Casey, And it was said to be this kind of philosophical, spiritual belief system. Um, that it focused on there being one infinite creator, you know, the um, like a like the universal mind kind of thing. Um, it focused a lot on different this this entity when it was speaking. Carla Carla was the one who actually channeled the entity, and this entity seemed to be very alien in its terminology. It talked about. Um, it used a lot of terms we understand, but used them in weird ways. So like our galaxy, I remember one that stood out is our solar system is it considers our solar system, a galaxy. Like the terminologies were always kind of slightly off for whatever reason, it made it a little more alien like than an angelic. Right. But this one kind of blended the two, which is kind of cool. This entity claimed to be, it went by the name, uh, Ra, well, Ray is how it'd be pronounced, but it's R-A, and said that it had communicated with humans in the past uh, in ancient Egypt, and uh, it presented itself as this god, Ray. Which, interesting thing to note, connection there, Edgar Casey had mentioned in a previous, I think it was in one of his previous lifetimes in ancient Egypt, he had taught the Law of One. So, maybe that was in the subconscious of Don, Jim, or Carla, or Maybe this is true. Who knows? But anyways, there was a heavy focus on free will. <clears throat> there was, um, you know, like teachings about free will. Uh, it used a weird term called distortion to define free will. Basically, well, it said free will is a is the first distortion. And what that means, uh, basically, is that a distortion is anything that moves away from an undistorted unity. So basically, um, this could be what we consider good, a distortion towards love, or bad, a distortion towards, like, I guess, ill um, or malice or something. But basically, 
I guess free will, it described it as being a distortion, I guess, because it's like a step away from unity. I guess that if that makes sense, because unity, like if you think of like infinity, right? Like it's all together, everything, every possibility is already there or whatever. So I guess for whatever reason, they considered free will the first distortion. It's a little complicated. Like I said, he talks with almost like an alien dialect, you know, so uh, this stuff is very intense if you if you read it and it is free online it's hard to filter through though it's hard to kind of you really have to read it and reread it and reread it sometimes um you talked about the logos which are basically archetypes sort of that this is the second distortion and these things are basically like you know these logoi are these like these archetypes or these intelligences that kind of govern our universe i guess in a lot of ways but anyways, there's different types of logoi, there's sub-logoi and things like that. So it's a very, um, again, complicated kind of channeling. <clears throat> I'm surprised it became as popular as it did, honestly, just because it was so dense. And speaking of dense, one of the things they talked about were densities. And basically, there's this breakdown of spiritual, I guess you could say, development. And they call them densities. So um, we're in the third density here on Earth, technically. Most humans are, I guess, according to this. Uh, fourth density is what Earth is supposed to be turning into and humans on it and stuff like that. And we, of course, are supposed to be going through that right now in this whole like age of Aquarius, like, you know, experience. There uh, are densities after that going up to eight. There are entities here. This is also part of the, their teachings that are called wanderers who are incarnated on Earth. And they are these higher, higher density entities that are incarnated here. So I guess that's uh, kind of like the idea of angels or or the people that believe they are starseed children or something like that you know i don't know if you've read any of that stuff but you know the have you heard of the starseed stuff yeah it's kind of like yeah, an indigo modern yeah. indigo children yeah so i guess that those people would consider themselves wanderers right they're these these higher level entities that are incarnating here on earth to help humanity um upgrade to a new density right that's the idea so you, you can tell this gets much more new agey but the uh, the general idea is kind of the same. They even have their own version of the rapture they call the harvest, uh, which has a kind of a, dark, a little bit darker name, I guess. But uh, no, I agree. I mean, like, the harvesting. <laughs> it's, it's not cryptic at all. It's not, yeah, it's not cryptic at all. There's nothing unsettling about an end of times being called the harvest. I guess it could be worse if it was called like the Grim Harvest or something. The Grim, or, uh, yeah. just the, right, or the Dark called, Harvest, or just yeah. saying bloodletting. Yo, go. Oh god, no thanks. Get a so, hard pass on this one. Yeah, so it's supposedly a positive thing, though, right? Um, one of the things, though, about that was unique about well, Law of One, which makes it a little bit more of a neutral type channeling. They talk about free will a lot. So they talk about the two paths, basically service to self or service to others. Service to self being what we would call the negative path, service to others being the positive path. Now, um, they basically, so the harvest doesn't have to be just good people. And this is something I have learned through my own spiritual studies is that enlightenment, um, spiritual advancement, or whatever you want to call it, right? Like when you become these greater spiritual entities, uh, whatever you want to call them, angels, gods, whatever, you don't have to necessarily be good. You just have to make a choice. I, my personal beliefs are more that you can be good, bad, or neutral. 
and so anywhere in between. It's a spectrum. Uh, I think what's important is that you basically, after many, many lifetimes, kind of develop these concepts based on these archetypes of what you want to be. So <clears throat> they they talked about this a lot in Law of One, where, and I do agree with it. You know, they said two paths. I think there's much more than just that. I think there's all roads lead to Rome, and there's many paths to enlightenment. There are two paths. They talked about that, you know, and they they kind of said that the the whole point is just to make a choice, you know, and to commit to that choice. And the harvest is the people basically who have made that choice and they've spent their lives, multiple lives and reincarnations and incarnations kind of devoted to these archetypes and these ideals that they want to embody. And they're ready to be upgraded. So that's the rapture. That's their harvest. So, you know, creepier name for sure, especially if these are some alien entities. Um. They did They did say that, they did talk about their past. They talked about that at one time they were, okay, so they, they, they define themselves as a social memory complex called Ray. Social memory complex. To me, that's a fancy way of saying archetype, but, you know, mm-hmm. and if, if, if an angel, an archangel or whatever, or these higher level spiritual entities, if they are... Are, they're bonded to archetypes. You know, you look at the gods and things like that, like uh, they're bonded to these different archetypes. They represent things. Uh, Athena represents wisdom. Um, you know, it could be uh, Hermes represents um, uh, wisdom as well, but he represents also messengers and communication. You know, these are all these archetypes, right, that come paired with this stuff. So that to me, that's, that is kind of, I think what they're trying to say is that they're the social memory complex that we refer to as Ray. I guess. Um, They said they used to be Venusians from the planet Venus a long time ago, back when Venus had supported life. Uh, They said their harvest was not very high. It was like, they said they had a very easy loving society and even their harvest was not very high. I think it was like 6% or something crazy low or 12%. I don't remember what. They said Earth, due to the amount of negativity and conflict here, is going to be real low. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> but uh <clears throat> but again like i said you don't have to be good to be <clears throat> upgraded i guess according to the these concepts that's pretty much about it i guess like for a general summary <clears throat> there's a lot of good information there and they talk on other subjects about jesus uh you know because people asked questions about it of course the reason this one though is a little bit of a um a cautionary tale is that um during their channelings, uh, Ray helped them to kind of secure their space energetically, and which is why I don't think Ray is bad. I think Ray is neutral, leaning positive, probably. He warned them <clears throat> that channeling is dangerous and that you know other entities could kind of hijack it and stuff like that, and how to like secure your space energetically before doing them. And like he tried his best to kind of like help them do that, right? Like responsibly eventually though i think if i remember correctly i couldn't find the reference to it but i think they did have some interference from negative entities at one point and were drawing the attention of negative entities once they started publishing the information they were channeling it was like the matrix turned on them you know and started sending them all this negative energy their way don don did not actually survive this whole thing he eventually fell into an extreme depression and it did start after a lot of this negative energy was coming their way. So, yeah. uh, he fell into a very deep depression and if I remember correctly committed suicide, which 
you know, if they did happen to draw this attention of some negative entities, some powerful ones, and they started, you know, sending shit their way, who knows, right? Maybe Don got an attachment and it eventually drove him to killing himself. You know, suicide demons are a very common theme in demonology, especially like Japanese mm-hmm. demonology and, and, and other Asian uh, mythologies and stuff. So like that that's a thing. <laughs> you know, like no, no. so Yeah. <clears throat> Japanese demon if anyone's ever, you know, I've said this before, but demonology, if you ever get into it, uh you always go you like you study the 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 Chinese and Japanese mythology. Uh, they are very detailed, lots of different breakdowns of types of spirits um, and types of demons and everything. And it helps, especially if you're, if you're, if you work with protective magic of any kind or whatever, it also helps to know the names and the personalities of what you're dealing with, I guess. No, 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 I agree. I agree. Like when people, when people ask me on like demonology and stuff like that, even if it's just like, a curiosity i'm like don't limit yourself to just the traditional uh judeo-christian stuff you need to study stuff like before like pagan like pagan gods go as old as you can yeah go as old as you can because like yeah when people like talk about like demonology and like demons they seem to just hit that plateau at (laughs) christian beliefs yeah well, and it's, there's so much more. Well, and it's true. I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot has come out of Catholicism, and I'm not a fan of Catholicism, but a lot has come out of it in that realm of things as far as knowledge of these entities. And you, you do have to include it if you're going to be good at, at that kind of work. No, I, the thing, no, I agree. You know, well, the thing about it, too, also, is that, you know, like, um, it's important if you're into protective work and stuff like that, if you're if that's kind of your your cup of tea like it is mine. You know thy enemy. So study demonology. <clears throat> study yeah, exactly. negative entities. Don't if be afraid of that. On, yeah, if I'm being honest, I'm not so much into protective. But yeah. even I, but even I yeah. yeah, yeah. But even I but even I study demonology and yeah. try to understand, even if it's like I may not be like diving books in, but I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's a story when we get to Crowley, uh, which will be an important lesson as far as protecting yourself when dealing with any entity. But especially if you're someone who decides to go down the negative path and use Goethia and other types of magic to summon demons, mm-hmm. uh, you really need to be careful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because you're inviting them into your life, into your home, into your space, into your, and possibly into your mind. So, um, yep. you know, yeah, if you're not protecting yourself. Um, so yeah, that's law of one. Um, there was, so I think it's kind of like a neutral leaning positive type entity. I think it tried to, I think it kind of had a little bit of a, tra- obviously a bit of a tragic ending. Um, and that happens more and more as we get darker and darker with these. There was one that was kind of a similar, I'm only going to touch on briefly called the cast. It's a Cassiopeian channelings. They're kind of similar to law of one. They have a lot of similarities, but I feel like they're much more neutral. They also went into detail. Um, also, that was in 1994 when that started. The woman behind that, it, her name is Laura Knight um, Jadzik. I don't know if I'm mis- I'm probably butchering that pronunciation. Um, but it had a lot of similarities with Law of One from when I studied it. Um, those entities that were communicating to find themselves as coming from the Cassiopeian system, hence the name. And they said that we are you in the future. So, you know, throw another little curveball in there. Maybe we're talking about extra temporal uh, entities, right? 
the um they talked about some other unique stuff though about like things that they call organic portals which are basically ops are basically people that are um i would define them as just very young souls and and the problem with that though is they don't they haven't developed because they haven't lived in the for lifetimes these higher uh functioning spiritual centers which makes them very easy access for negative entities basically they don't have the the senses to detect uh, that something is even off to begin with. Night Jadzik, there's it kind of has a cultish thing, or there's kind of a cultish thing around her Cassiopeian um, channelings now, <clears throat> and so it kind of also took a little bit of a negative turn in my point of view. I think, and that's the thing is a lot of these things end up turning into cults. <laughs> a lot of them turn into cults. It's just. I guess comes with the territory, right? Um, mm-hmm. Oh well. But uh, <clears throat> so now, I guess, uh, do you guys want to touch on that before I get to some of the more negative stuff? Oh no, I, I'm ready for negative. Okay. Uh, I I just wanted that's to mention what, that when yeah. you said uh, organic portals, I immediately thought of the Demogorgon. Before you explain <laughs> what the organic portals were, yeah. I was like, "Oh, what? Stranger Things, not a yeah. good thing." <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's not a good thing. Actually, no, you're right. No, it did not sound good at all. No. Yeah. Uh, all right. No, onto onto uh, demons. Yes. I'm, well, I mean, we're gonna. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do aliens still a little bit, um, but we're gonna get more to the or, the arconic negative entity side of things. We're gonna start. I'm not doing any of this in um, chronological order because I wanted to do it in the the energetic order, right? So um, we're going to touch. No, we're going to go to World War II now. Well, I should say World War post World War One, pre World War Two. Fascinating time. Uh, like I already mentioned, in America, you had uh, Edgar Casey. You know, you had the the kind of birth of the New Age. You had a lot of other organizations post World War One, especially that were heavily focused in esoteric studies. You had the Theosophical Society uh, with Madame Lavatsky at the head of that. You had the Go- Golden Dawn, uh, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. You had a lot of Hermetic orders actually, but you had the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, uh, which was eventually kind of taken over by Aleister Crowley, uh, who we'll be touching on. You had. Um, the Thule Society, which was a Germanic uh, Teutonic society, which many of the pre- people who uh, became high-level mem- members of the Nazi party were members of the Thule Society, which is a secret society and occult society. And they very heavily focused on the Norse and pagan uh, and Germanic uh, gods, um, which is why you see so much of that symbolism uh, with the Nazi party, including the, the swastika itself, which was originally Thor's cross. But they obviously changed the angle and gave it a whole different meaning. Um, but they took many of the the Norse symbols and kind of sadly corrupted them. Um, but these symbols like the swastika show up throughout time in every continent. So um, these are basically, they were using these, these the Thule Society was inspired by these um, these ancient Germanic and Norse myths. And whereas the Theosophical Society kind of had a little bit of that, but they had a lot more of Eastern myth- mysticism, uh, Tibetan uh, um, Buddhism, um, you know, some of the so Hinduism, they had a lot of those influences. So they kind of were a little bit of a different path. And, and these are basically all Western views of these, um, you know, these 
these belief systems. Because uh, you have to remember, there's a, not a lot, like what we know about Norse mythology, especially in Germanic, there's not a lot. It's the Eddas that we base it on, um, these these epic poems. Um, you know, there's very few sources of information left because of the Christians that, you know, destroyed it all. Um, so what we know about it is that there's a lot of holes. You know, even what we know about the gods and things like that of Norse mythology, there's a lot of holes in it. So <clears throat> they were, you know, this was basically a bunch of Western Europeans taking these Eastern, either Eastern concepts or, or older European concepts that we don't have a lot of information on and kind of filtering it through their perceptions, right? So, so you had these, um, these different groups all kind of competing. Uh, and one of them that came out of this that kind of was an offshoot of the Thule Society was the Vril Society. <clears throat> now, Vril Society was interesting uh, to me because... Um, uh, the main, uh, the main person was a woman as well. Um, and which was something you actually saw quite a bit in these, these mystical societies, these occult societies at that time being run by, uh, women at the forefront, which is cool. Uh, and kind of not something you think would really happen at that time. Um, but the, um, the Vril society was a little different. They focused on, they were connected to the Nazi party. Um, and the whole German national movement. Um, the, um, the woman that was at the head of it, let me see if I can find her name, make sure I get it right real quick. Um, yeah, Maria Orsic. Uh, she was an Austrian spiritual medium. So again, she was a channeler. <laughs> so, uh, she was a medium at that time and she was, um, um, she basically kind of the real society believed in that there's this energy source that kind of, um, pervades everything. It's basically the same concept as chi or ki or ba or ka. There's a, you know, different names for this prana, uh, throughout every culture on earth, <clears throat> but this energy, they called it vril. Uh, I can't remember the origins of that. I think it was Norse mythology, but, or Germanic, um, but Vril is basically the same idea, and it is this cosmic life force energy that can um, uh, be harnessed, they believed. And they um, basically what happened is Maria Orsic started doing um, channeling of an entity, um, which I believe was called give me one second again some of these pronunciations are kind of out there um yeah the vril ya or the vril vril vrilinians i cannot pronounce that they were called the vril ya but basically these vril ya were giving them information uh if i remember correctly it was from she thought the information was coming from the the constellation taurus I think, but she basically, I believe that they were extraterrestrial entities of some sort, and they were giving them information, information on technology, on how to build advanced technologies, how the story goes. So that's where, like, it kind of ties back into the UFO thing, too, like with the old Nazi bell. I don't know if you guys seen that stuff, the old pictures of some of the Nazi experiments and UFO technology that supposedly existed, and it's basically a Nazi flying saucer. Have you seen any of that? 
No, no, you should, you should look it up sometime. Yeah, the Nazi bell is what it's called, but uh, they uh, supposedly were channeling this information and getting these designs right. Well, there was a lot of people in the Nazi party that were very heavily into this stuff, like Himmler, the head of the SS, and he was very into mythology and he was very into the occult. So the idea, in, and then you combine the fact that if it wasn't for the Nazi scientists uh, that we we basically stole, you know, through Operation Paperclip after World War II and forgave all their crimes and basically employed them, uh, we, like, we would never have gotten to the moon, right? Because the modern rocketry was invented by uh, the Nazi scientists at the time. And many of them were also into the occult and being influenced by people like Maria Orsic and things like that. So, like, it's, you know, if we're looking at it from the perception that they, let's just take it for granted, they are talking to some kind of entity and they're getting weapon designs and things like that from it to help the Nazis take over the world. Yeah, <laughs> let's just, let's no just, no bueno, <laughs> right? So this is where we're starting to get into some really darker themes, right? So who knows what kind of technology maybe came out of this because you also had uh, jet propulsion was invented by the Nazis. Uh, you know, like all these advanced technologies were invented by them. And were they getting these engineering specifications from these entities? These real Yahoo really, you know, I don't, I don't, from what I've studied of it, there's, I don't think they really gave them a lot of shit tests. I think they just took it for granted that they were they they were just they were nazis that were greedy and wanted power and they were like oh fuck yeah you know and they probably didn't even think about the cost but um yeah it um they were basically making deals with alien i guess dark arconic entities for technology specifications which you know makes sense to me right like that's kind of like if you were to tie in the occult and the ufo kind of stuff from that era all together like uh Obviously, if there were entities dealing with the U.S. government, like, you know, the whole Eisenhower thing and all that, then there were probably entities dealing with the Nazis, too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think they deal with all whoever is the top players of our world. Well, I think you got different agendas, though. I think there's different parties with different agendas, you know? Yeah. Well, there's all sorts of things visiting, so it would make sense. But they usually are going to go for... The top dogs, like nobody's going to fucking talk to like a country that has no superpower, no sway over anybody. It would be pointless. Exactly. Well, and then the most fertile ground with the most fear and desperation that they could mold into something would have been post-World War One, the Weimar Republic Republic in Germany. It was horrible. Hyperinflation was insane. Um, Like, you know, those pictures of people taking wheelbarrows full of cash to buy a loaf of bread, you know, like Mm -hmm. we have never seen. Yeah anything like that in america like not in not in not even the great depression touched it you know so yeah you know it's um well at least we haven't seen it in modern times i should say um but yeah you know nothing touched that kind of fertile ground right how much fear there was and then of course the nazis in a political way took advantage of that blaming the jewish uh the jews and the communists right you know the jewish people and uh, that's why they did the false flag operation of burning down the Reichstag, you know? So like if, if I believe these things play on every level, right? So if it's happening politically as above, so below, it's probably happening spiritually too. Right. So 
This is a, if there's an area that is full of fear and anger and desperation and rage and all these things, then these arconic entities are going to take advantage of that because it's a feeding frenzy. Mm-hmm. They're sharks, basically, you know, and that's chum in the water. So I guess you can think of them like spiritual predators in a way. So they hunt that energy, though. That's what they feed off of. So. Um, so I do think it's very, very possible that the, these entities uh, could have been sharing technological specifications with Orsich and others. Um, you know, supposedly, as the myth goes, they gave them technology to build these flying saucers and stuff. And that ties into some of the uh, Antarctica myths about the Nazis, too, and the new Schwabenland base. And when Admiral Byrd went down there and uh, with, with uh, a huge amount of ships, and apparently they were beaten terribly by flying saucers apparently is how the myth goes uh but yeah so anyway uh so now we're getting a little darker <clears throat> so do you have any thoughts on that one before i i go on no 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 uh now i'm gonna touch on john d because this is one uh close to my heart because it's a great story John D. was uh, born in 1527, lived to 1608, uh, which is pretty old. He lived to be 80, uh, 81 for that time. That's pretty yeah, old. Yeah, that's uh, fucking impressive for the yeah. time that John D. was around. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, he was the an advisor uh, to Queen Elizabeth. <clears throat> Elizabeth. He was also her astrologer. He was also her head spy master. He was... Um, her, an alchemist and a magician as well. He basically was protected from being murdered for blasphemy and witchcraft by Queen Elizabeth and his relationship with her. So he always had this tenuous dancing on a razor, razor's edge thing with her because if he ever fucked up and disappointed her and lost her favor, he was dead. <laughs> like the church would not be okay with that, you know? Uh, so, uh, he was also a personal advisor, mystical advisor to Catherine de' Medici, the Queen of France at that time. So he was one of these people that was kind of, you know, one of these advisors who kind of made his way around these different circles in Europe at that time and was very popular. One of these m- mystical people, and there was often people like this uh, that cropped up from time to time, like Saint Germain and whatnot, and that had mystical alchemical powers, and, and, and uh, he was one of them. So he became much more interesting as time went on. In 1581, he had a vision of the Archangel Uriel, who gave him a scrying crystal to use uh, in the shape of an egg, and um, basically to communicate with the angelic realms, you know, to communicate with these entities. Um, And scrying is another form of divination, um, one that I do, but it is a... it's interesting. It's kind of more of a clairvoyant one. Um, The irony here is John Dee, I guess... After this vision and he received this crystal, he started trying to use it and found that he couldn't. <laughs> uh, <Right>. So, yeah, <laughs> he got gypped on that one, I guess. So I don't know if that was Uriel or not. I, uh, I do have a, my personal opinion on, the, on D. I'll save to the end. But um, John D. ended up um, going on a search for someone to help him, um, that a channeler or a, a spiritual medium of sorts. And he tried a few different uh, people. Um, I remember seeing a reference to one of them, but the main one he met, he met that became famous was Edward Kelly. Edward Kelly was uh, basically a con man. I'm sorry. Apparently my cat really needs to be in my lap right now. Oh, one second. Hello. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, apparently, he's interested in John D as well. Um, but who isn't interested in John D? My cat Romy. He 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 wants to be up here for for me talking about John D. Um, Maybe he's the reincarnation of John D. You know, I, th- I was just thinking that. I don't know. Maybe the uh, so John D met Edward Kelly. He was a con man, uh, basically. <laughs> But claimed to have spiritual powers. So um, he got in trouble literally for conning people. He was literally a con man. Like, yet he mm. went into partnership with Kelly. They they threw scrying with the egg. Um, they were given other instructions and tools to use different types of crystals. And they were given uh, a language that, that was they were told was the angelic language. The, the, the um, the it was called a Nokian, and it's been used in popular culture ever since. Uh, the most uh, you know thing comes to mind for me is the show Supernatural. They've used it quite a bit, but they claim this. You know, they gave him sigils that he could make in a Nokian to uh, make his channelings and his uh, scrying more powerful, and this, that, and the other, right? And so John D. He was getting this mystical knowledge and all of this kind of stuff out of it, and. Um, I remember there was also an astonishing legend sh- episode on him, but uh, the uh, the thing that makes you wonder about this, right? So, so Kelly was a con man, right? But what was weird was in the beginning, right? They had like a seven year span where they did this together, and D was the transcriber. What was funny was the angels didn't like Kelly, like they were verbally almost verbally abusive to him like his energy and because he was a negative person and they didn't like him i think he was like an alcoholic and drug addict and all his other stuff too and they just didn't like him and they just were like fine like i guess if this is the only thing we can get to communicate we'll take it uh right so why would Kelly, I mean, yeah, I guess Kelly, if he was a good enough con man, could have, like, come up with some story. But, like, apparently, supposedly there were times when the, the angels made it even physically, made Kelly physically aware of their distaste for him. You know, if I remember correctly. I don't think I'm making that up. I remember that them talking about that. And that was, to me, that's interesting because, like, okay, yeah, he could have been faking it. You know, it could have been, like, a... a I don't know, though, like, I don't know if he would have had that kind of long term thinking, you know, that like, but I I think if this is true, and they were um, talking to angels, um, then maybe, and again, and uh, Kelly was as negative a person as he was, maybe they just really didn't like him. (laughs) They just like to make it known. Um, Things changed over time with Kelly, though, and uh, the relationship with between Kelly and D. D and Kelly, as they continued to do this, these kind of things they uh, Kelly kind of was also kind of putting himself into these social groups, you know, of the, the rich and powerful. And as a con man, that was very appealing to him. I believe Kelly and his, I believe he had a wife ended up moving in with D and his wife. And as you know, how this goes eventually, uh, of course the, the channeling started getting a little darker and darker and things like that. And eventually, you know, the, the entities were telling Dee and Kelly that they, um, uh, it was in 1587 when Kelly informed Dee that the, uh, a female spirit had ordered them to share wives. <laughs> so, which polyamory probably not as acceptable back then, I'm guessing. Oh, not openly. No, 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 so, not at all. Not close. So, you know, yeah. So, 
Yeah, so that that kind of was the final straw that broke the camel's back. Now, I'm, uh, you know, Huntley, I'm going to kind of like pass the torch off to you a little on this one, since I know you know a little bit, uh, quite a bit, you've studied Enochian, so you have to mm-hmm. know a bit about D, so I'll let mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about him real quick. The thing, the thing about John D is that there's a lot of stories about John D being like, back in the day, not being like the most mentally stable person. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then you add Kelly into the equation of being, yep. as you said, a con man. Do I think that uh, John D was communicating with people or something? Yeah, I do. I that like, I think, I think the, the smears of him being like the royal quack and mm-hmm. the crazy person, like, was just a way to, you know, smear him and discredit him especially in an age of where you know they're setting fires to heretics but and we've talked about this previously where we we kind of debated do we think that d was communicating with angels or do we think he was communicating with something else that was more Mm -hmm. sinister yeah well Here's the thing. I think my theory, and I'll go into why at least. David, have you studied anything about John D before I? <clears throat> no. Okay. No, I haven't. Um, I figured this was probably more our wheelhouse on this one, just because it's very heavily magic related. But I just wanted to check. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. so <clears throat> I think it started out as actual angels, and I mm-hmm. think he got hijacked. Um, I don't know if Enochian. Personally, I'm not. I'm not a. I think Enochian works because I do think it is based off. I think most magical languages are pulling from the same well, uh, mm-hmm. meaning all all alphabets have a have the same root. In my point of view, uh, whatever mm-hmm. language that was, I don't know. Um, but I think Enochian works uh, as well as well as any other. <laughs> my cat's trying to claw my face. Uh, as as well as as many other uh, magical languages, but I don't necessarily think that it is derived from positive from the angels. Um, <clears throat> the thing about the archons is they can appear as angels of light. You know, they can they that's you know like we talked about earlier about them like blowing your ego up and that kind of stuff. That started happening with with Kelly and D, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually, a lot of bad luck really kind of fell D. You know, like he, yes, his, yes, uh, er, yeah, everything. Like I think uh, he ended up like kind of losing his his favor and everything he had. All his research got ransacked, if I remember yes, correctly. And like he just he just got. He died. Let me see. Uh, D died in obscurity in 1608 and was buried at Mort Lake Church. Yeah, Yeah. basically, John D was uh, the the Rasputin. Yeah, of the of the of the British Empire at that time. Of the British Empire, John D was the Rasputin of the British Empire at the time. Yeah, super like super carried super favor with the royalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, the citizenry was just kind of like, I no, no, just yeah. much like the Russians were. Yeah, but uh, he was with Rasputin, but he was protected, <clears throat> and yeah. that protection slowly started to dwindle because mm-hmm. of slander towards him by people that was in the monarch's ear. Uh, already, kind of the association with Kelly did not help either. Exactly, it made things worse. It made things worse for him because Kelly was a crook. 
Well, and I think that was I think that was a turning point because if you look at it energetically, let's say D was communicating with angels, right? Whether mm-hmm. he was mentally ill or not. I mean, to me, there's fine line, but <laughs> you kind of have to be a little crazy, I guess, if you're communicating with, uh, you know, entities like that. Um, but the thing is, I like say he was communicating with angels and then Kelly came into the picture. Who's carrying all this negative energy with him. Yeah. It's, you know, bad karma. It's bait, (laughs) you know, for these negative entities. Right. So like, I think they were hijacked personally. Um, Cause yeah, it says D uh, D is described by his biographer, John Aubrey and his last years as a beaten old man who had a long white beard as milk tall and slender who wore a gown with hanging sleeves so he just basically died in just total obscurity yeah Yeah, basically was the the association with kelly was the the start of like the fall from grace so to speak and by the end of it by the end of it he was tossed out like they didn't like burn him at the stake or like you know mm-hmm. do anything like they did to normal heretics because he did carry favor with the monarchy yeah. for a while yeah. mm-hmm. and yeah. then it was just basically he was just left to you know go die on his uh, basically be a, another reference a philip k dick of just like dying in destitution i remember he was in prison at one point too wasn't he yes yes yeah so I thought. Um, interestingly, you mentioned the Russians at the time. Uh, D's son, Arthur, it says, became an alchemist and served as a physician to the Tsar of Russia uh, at, at the, I guess, during his life. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, the people, the royalty this time, they were all obsessed with the occult, you know? Like, yeah. so that was a big, big thing, you know, for them to, uh, like, they all had their their people right their advisors and their whatever like you said rasputin saint germain there's all these people mm-hmm. throughout these 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 centuries of this century of these this window yeah. that doing were it like that. doing mm-hmm. it in private in court not in yes. private but like in court where the nobles mm-hmm. knew that the monarchs were practicing yeah. things that would go against the church yeah yeah but like so. the you know the peasants were relatively, relatively, you know, out of the loop on this, and yeah. they couldn't read, and yeah. they were work. They worked fifteen, sixteen hour days. Who the fuck would care what the court was doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, in this course, you know, this a lot of this kind of stuff eventually led to the monarchs with these kind of these blase attitudes about what the people wanted obviously led to things like the french revolution so <laughs> but yeah exactly and, and, exactly and another revolution in russia and you know the list goes on, and on yep so. yep <clears throat> yep but uh this one's an interesting one because it did influence heavily the hermetic order of the golden dawn um although uh, yes Alistair Crowley wasn't a huge fan of him. Um, he called him a, a humorless old man and expressed reverence for Kelly, it says. Yeah. So, of, co- of course, Crowley, you know, would mm-hmm. be more interested in Kelly than D. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not a big, uh, I'm not, like I said, I don't, I don't think, I think it got hijacked. And the reason why is, uh, you know, this bad luck that befell them. And then on top of that, you have um, the ego inflation side of things later on. And then, you know, you just have this whole thing where they, 
you know, if you think about it, the same, the same kind of thing was going on, like with the Vril Society. They were giving these humans technology. It was just magical technology, right? It was, it was written technology. Language is the technology, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, so kind of a similar, you know, different time period, obviously. Um, but it kind of shows you how these things have been going on forever. Um, channelings, especially all the way back to ancient Greece with Oracle Delphi, you know. Um, and and so many other different societies and mystery schools at that time. Um, so this is kind of like an ongoing tradition um, throughout the ages. Um, you want to touch on anything else for D before I go on to good old Aleister Crowley? I think we touched on uh, the the main bulk of D. Honestly, like we could we could have an entire episode about like the different. Yeah. ideas of enochian <clears throat> magic just alone just like enochian alphabet rituals and yeah just, yeah yeah it, we would get if we dive deep in and i want to somewhere down the line yeah i agree but it would be it would be quite the trek yeah yeah all right Astra crowley this is a fun one so this one is where i guess things start to get kind of freaky uh i i have i'm not a fan of crowley's on a personal level no, no, he, My, he was not a very good person. No, he was a terrible person. No, he was a terrible. He person. was a terrible yeah. person. Horrible. Uh, mm-hmm. He influenced a lot of other people, like L. Ron Hubbard, yeah. who went on to start Scientology. Uh, uh, LeVay. LeVay, uh, you know, which I guess the modern Church of Satanism is much more tolerable than the Golden Dawn. Sect oh, absolutely. They, absolutely. They have some level of morality, right? Yeah, they, <laughs> they do. do. They, do. they do. So it's yeah. like they at least have a, a code of ethics. Like, yeah. okay. like if you if you don't really know that much about the Church of Satan, you're listening, <clears throat> and you're you, yeah. you're just assuming that they're doing all sorts of awful shit. I promise you, no, the, the modern Church one's Satan, not like that. <laughs> the modern Church of Satan is nowhere near as fucked up. No, as it's, the Golden Dawn and Crowley, yeah. it's still hedonistic, right? But it's oh, more yeah. based. It's based around free will. Right? Yeah, it's, it's based like, on free will. The, like yeah. the thing about like their big tenet to me, from like my interactions and my reading of like yeah. stuff, is just like free will for yourself. Yeah, do yeah. not force yourself and what you want to do to some onto somebody else unless they willingly consent. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, and, and so Crowley a, did not really go by that at all. Go ahead, David. Sorry, David, I know you were trying to say something. Oh no, I, yeah, that was basically the gist of it. Like I kind of looked at the Satanism, I don't know, fifteen years ago because I thought it was interesting, but yeah, it's just it's like mega libertarian free will, yeah. uh, and then some mm-hmm. depend like yeah. the interpretation of satanism sometimes slavery is like okay maybe with cons- with, with, like with consent. it's more with consent. with consent but then there's like this weird dichotomy of like if you're just smart enough and better enough that you can like yep. yeah your will if you can your- trick someone technically if you can trick somebody into giving that consent Exactly. If you can trick someone into making the choice, they still made the choice, right? Yeah, they still made the so choice. That's that's the dark side of the modern. Yeah, of the of the modern. But it like, yeah. but comparably speaking, compared to Crowley, compared to Crowley, it, it's tame. 
Yeah, it is Very fucking tame. tame because I've read a lot of Crowley. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So Crowley did not, he did not start the Golden Dawn. Uh, he, no. uh, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, he joined it and kind of took it over from within. Um, yeah. He joined in 1890. A lot of politics. Yeah, a lot of politics. He joined in 1898, which again, same time period, right? You know, like this World mm-hmm. War One to like kind of uh, pre-World War Two era. Uh, all these different societies. Um, so Crowley, in the beginning, um, he he was he first started talking to he's talked to multiple entities, right? And I'm going to go from least scary to most terrifying, in my point of view. Um, again, I'm not doing chronological order necessarily. So uh, his first one was uh, I pronounce it Avas or Ivas uh, mm-hmm. or I- Ivas, I guess. Uh, it was in 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 Egypt in 1904. He had gotten married to Rose Kelly, and his wife was the was channeling this entity. But the message was for Crowley, apparently, according to Crowley, I'm sure. Uh, (laughs) Whether it was or not, who knows? Yeah, whether it was or not, Crowley was just like, (laughs) no, it's for me. Yeah, it's for me. uh, This phone call is for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But he, uh, uh, these original channelings with this entity, Ivas, who he considered to be like his higher self or or like his guide and mentor and stuff. these influenced his writings. Uh, he actually he ended up doing automatic writing um, with um, this entity, right? Which is a channeling technique where you basically go into a trance and you write instead of talk, you know. Um, but someone's idea is someone is writing through you the same way as someone is talking through you when you are um, uh, channeling. So avas helped him write the uh the liber legis or the book of the law which is probably his most famous book of writings and it kind of talked about this new age the aeon of horus and these things and and this kind of resurrection of this idea of lucifer and that's a very misconstrued concept thanks to catholicism um catholicism did this whole thing where they took all these different names of these pagan entities and titles of them and and just mashed them all fucking together, even whether they were the same entity or not. So Lucifer is the devil, is Satan, is Beelzebub, is uh, Azazel, even though most of those are separate entities. Uh, you learn that when you dig deep enough into mythology and demonology, these are, these are, a lot of those are separate entities. Many of those are titles. Satan is a title. Satan means the adversary. So to Muslims, uh, if I remember correctly, in the Quran, they reference Toth as being one of their Satans or Satans. And so, like, there's these competing gods that are basically labeled as the adversary, right? You know, that's kind of where this came from. And then it kind of, when things got, when things became monotheistic, they eventually, the, the bad guys had to become monotheistic too, I guess, so... But that is um, kind of the fault of the Catholic Church, in my view. Lucifer was another one of the... I agree. Yeah, Lucifer just means the bearer of light, the light bearer, the light bringer, right? Uh, Basically, the Lucifer is a title. That's it. Uh, There's other ones like the Caducifer. And what they're referencing, they were titles for certain entities, certain gods. Um... Which again shows you that connection between the archangels and the gods and the gods and the angels and things like that is that um, that they label this 
Archangel Lucifer, right? Well, Lucifer was Apollo in my studies. Um, he is a god of light, the light bearer, <laughs> right? You see this again and again in whatever form he takes in different mythologies. He's this radiant one, right? <clears throat> Describe him as the morning star, you know, like whatever. Like these common, these common uh, some, some, some symbolism behind him is always light. Um, and everything that comes with that, illumination and these things. So um, this, I believe he was also Horus, which was an interesting kind of correlation to this uh, Aeon of Horus that <clears throat> Crowley was writing about. But it is um, basically he he kind of was talking about how um, I guess in a way this golden age that was going to form, and I don't think I don't think he was really bad in the beginning, Crowley. I think he was egotistical as shit. Probably, I think he was probably just like <clears throat> probably not the best person, you know. But I think. Like I said before, I think people with abilities get mentors and uh, on how to use them. And I think he decided to take it down a dark path. I think he made a choice to do that, uh, especially later on when he started contacting different entities. Um, so that's uh, that's like the beginning of his his real like uh, you know the book of the law. Like, would you agree? Like, that's kind of like yeah, that was really, that really was the, that that was the shift to me. That was yeah. the shift when he started integrating more mm -hmm. dramatic rituals. Yeah. And like, that's a book, uh, a nice little side book for a lot of people that need to read Crowley is like dramatic rituals. Yeah. And that's where you can, that's where you kind of start seeing the shift is that Crowley, you know, he may not have liked John D's ideas and he was more, but he, he was very influenced by D and Kelly. Yeah. Yes. And, in their channeling to contact and that once you start getting into the dramatic rituals and after he basically seized power of the golden dawn exactly from within yeah he that there was a shift yeah and went from being kind of just you know rituals <clears throat> and just like orgies to being like no we're going yep. to summon fucking demons now yep yeah, well, he was very, he was very heavy in sex magic, you know. Yeah, and that took a very dark turn too. Uh, yes, it did. But he, um, he, you know, it, he's a very, he, in the beginning. I would have called him a complex, like a conflicting character kind of thing. But he became just fucking, in my view, fucking evil later on. Later on, as time went on, mm -hmm. you see this a lot, right? Like, so that's the thing about any cult or religious order that has these kind of megalomaniacs in charge of them like when they eventually die uh the people that sometimes or or any group i guess like or any any group can be taken over from within by a megalomaniac i guess is what i'm trying to say you yeah. can even have one megalomaniac replace another and you see that kind of with scientology <laughs> but which yeah. again look into the links between crowley and hubbard <clears throat> mm -hmm. yeah it's it's yeah yeah, uh, uh, Elron. <laughs> Elron hung out with Crowley. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, and that's the thing. Scientology is because of the, they have similarities, but right between between um, a lot of the teachings of the Hermetic Order of Golden Dawn and Scientology. And the thing is, these are all pulling from the the same well, and it's the Hermetic Law. And the reason it's the same reason why any magical system works is because Hermetic Law works, but it's just a tool. 
it's a tool that basically describes how the universe functions. It's mm-hmm. uh, another person that was heavily, heavily influenced by it was Isaac Newton. He used it to develop the many laws that we know today, you know, <clears throat> gravity and inertia and all the others, right? So, like, if you look at Hermetic Law and you look at uh, you can see the inspiration and where it came from. He just was applying it into a scientific method. Um, but that's the thing. Newton was also a occultist. Uh, many of these people were back then. So, um, but during Crowley's time, you know, he, you had a lot of these kind of these people around these huge personalities. Um, so you had these other organizations like the Theosophical Society. And I just want to touch on this. There was a member of the Theosophical Society who also became a member later on of Golden Dawn. And he kind of bounced around different groups, but he was the author, uh, Yates. Um, And this was one of the funniest things I've ever read. And if you just sit and think about it, is that Yates and Crowley actually had a magical battle. Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. In my mind, I'm just kind of imagining like... LARPers going lightning bolt, lightning bolt, you know, or something like that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Except for it was probably way more dramatic than your LARPers if you know anything about if like if you yeah. study a lot of Crowley and see how dramatic Crowley was in his rituals and yep. the theatrics that came along with just regular interactions with Crowley, you yeah. know it was way more dramatic than just somebody throwing a nerf a little nerf arrow being like lightning bolt yeah yeah well i always thought that was funny at least that was like a funnest side note to throw in there because you know like a lot of people were involved in these occult groups a lot of like people from all walks of life famous people like you wouldn't believe you know so that's the thing about that time you know and i've mentioned like jack parsons before being part of golden dawn and stuff like that and he he helped start the u.s rocketry program you know like yeah. he was a literal, a literal rocket scientist and he believed in magic yeah. <laughs> and sex magic yeah. so again going back to that fact that there's a lot of smart people throughout history that have believed in both science and magic <clears throat> i think yeah. they are just different ways of describing the same forces and i think they're tools on how to harness those forces <clears throat> I think maybe eventually someone will develop a way to kind of explain the connection between the two, you know, and I, I personally, that's my favorite thing. You know, I, I, I love where the dots connect, you know, that's what I love to study comparative mythology and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, I, it's like, we talk about how UFOs are probably angels or probably and, and demons and these other entities and gods and goddesses, you know, like, I mm-hmm. think we're all talking about the same thing from different terms and different perceptions. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it, just how like, well, we've talked about numerous times of just people processing things differently. Yeah. But I have a question. And mm-hmm. this is something I've often debated myself, like reading Aleister Crowley, is do you think he came into it when he came into the Golden Dawn as like you th- you've said you felt like he was more, you know, kind of conflicted like neutral yeah. like maybe maybe chaotic neutral yeah do neutral leaning bad yeah. yeah yeah neutral leaning bad do you yeah. think that it was his own ego mm-hmm. that pushed him to do the fucking shitty things that he did do oh actually no oh. Uh, not entirely <laughs> all right yeah to answer your question not entirely yes yeah because this is something i debate i debate on studying it 
Well, yeah, I guess I'll get to that part here in a second. Because uh, going like we mentioned, he was into sex magic, right? So there was a mm-hmm. certain point he had multiple mistresses, right? He had this whole mm-hmm. concept he called the Scarlet Women or the Scarlet wo- Scarlet Woman, which was, I guess, in a way, was his ideal like spiritual sexual partner, which is something you have with sex magic. Sex magic is a very old system, right? In in the Eastern versions, it's tantra, right? There's nothing wrong with it. Again, all all these things, whether it be hermetic knowledge or magic or sex magic or whatever, they're tools. They're tools, and whether they are good or bad or indifferent are determined by who's holding them and using them, right? And the intent mm-hmm. of those individuals. So he you know, there used to be in the old mystery schools way, 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 way back when you would have, um, you would be, you would enter these mystery schools and they were basically priesthoods, right? But you had priests and priestesses and the ones that practice sex magic and basically Tantra and things like that. <clears throat> they would, um, the whole idea was to reach enlightenment through these practices. And, um, you know, just like they do in Tantric yoga. And that's the whole, you know, the goal. And it's one path of many, but they would pair off and they would have a priest and a priestess pretty much um, through, you know, to do these practices together. And basically they, um, you know, that was his idea, but he kind of took it and he turned it into something real sick. He started branding other women, which Mm -hmm. is very similar to current groups like Nexium. Uh, mm-hmm. And Keith Rainier, he did the same thing. He's a current one that's been uh, shut down, and he's an evil son of a bitch too. Yes, uh, he is. You can just look at him, and if you don't get creeped out, then I'm I don't <laughs> like I can't even look at him. Like I'm just like Mm-mm, no, no. <clears throat> but uh, he kind of had that Manson thing going on for a while too, and his style and whatever. But uh, but yeah, he's another one example of one of those megalomaniac type people who I believe are actual archons incarnated, but. <clears throat> he um so that's you know something that uh we might actually end up talking about on a future show with my friend caitlin um is nexium and some of these <clears throat> some of these uh you know these cults because like i said these cults are inextricably inextricably linked to communication with entities no matter where you think mm-hmm. they're coming from right so yeah he did some fucked up crowley started branding women he got real messed messed up with it um he um at a certain point he um he had a contact and this is the one i guess is the the one that messes me up the most uh it's so freaky for me in 1909 it was the demon koranzan contact now mm-hmm. i'm going to read a little bit about this guy <clears throat> i know this show is going to be a little longer i'm sorry but this is actually kind of creepy when you listen to it so all right. So Karanzan, it says, um, he is the a demon of dispersions and of the abyss, summoned by uh, an evocation by Aleister Crowley and Victor uh, Newberg. Victor was actually Aleister's lover. Uh, he, he had a homosexual relationship as well. Um, and sex magic can be practiced between any gender. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, sex is sex, right? It's about the energy. So, <clears throat> um, he and Newberg were practicing sex magic quite a, uh, and I think this event is what convinced him that sex magic was really the way to go. Um, from what I, from what I've read. Um, but basically they performed it in 1909. Um, I believe they were in the desert and they, um, Crowley, uh, they were on holiday and yeah, they were walking through the desert 
Um, and Crowley was summoned by the voice of Ivas, that, that entity I was talking about. And, uh, basically, um, he brought with him, he said he had with him the Enochian key of John D and Edward Kelly. And, you know, like it was this whole thing again, the connection between John D and him, like you were talking about Huntley. Um, I'm not going to go into like the details of the actual like evocation because it's this whole long thing. I'm going to cut to the chase on this one because that's where it gets really good uh, <laughs> from a creepy standpoint. Um, but basically, um, Crowley was in this kind of, they set up this this mystical evocation to summon this entity. And Crowley was kind of, I guess, in this trance state, more or less, kind of like exploring these other things, realms and stuff. <clears throat> And at one point, he had to uh, cross the abyss, he said. In the abyss, he was told, um, it was inhabited by a single entity, the demon Karanzan, the first and deadliest of all powers of evil, being compromised of complete negation. Now, there are references to entities like this, from my point of view, uh, in other myths. Um... I believe in Tibetan mythology, I think it was the, is it the Yama? There's this demon that basically eats people, eats souls all day long. And then you cut to Norse mythology, there's this thing called the dragon in the, uh, in the uh, Niflheim, the underworld, called uh, Nidhogg. He eats corpses all day long, right? Like, uh, there's other references to entities like this. Uh, in Gnosticism, I believe that you could call this Yadabaoth, or uh, Audabaoth, how you pronounce it. Modern uh, influences, I would say, would be Cthulhu, for those who are fans of Lovecraftian lore. Um, you know, it's this basically entity of absolute evil, and as it says, comprised of complete negation. So he's like the antithesis of everything, of existence, I guess, right? The void is where it exists in the abyss. And that's kind of a, a similar theme of you know, in a lot of mythologies is entities being sealed up in uh, Tartarus or the abyss, or it's like a prison basically is kind of how it often is described. Um, This is my personal belief from my studies is that these entities I've mentioned are, are basically the same. Um, You know, it could just be different, just different names for the same, uh, same one. But uh, so he took, um, it was December 6th, 1909. He did the ritual and uh, they formed magic rituals and drew a triangle. They were basically going to try to invoke, invoke the demon into the triangle. And the circle was for protection uh, for Newberg, uh, who would sit within it. And he was going to be dictating, or not dictating, but writing down, uh, transcribing uh, whatever uh, Crowley was saying um, as he channeled this entity. Um, Crowley intended to enter the triangle with the demon. Yep. So, uh, to channel this information. I don't know, again, going back to you said ego, obviously that takes some fucking ego to think that you are capable of controlling a demon of that kind of power. Like, he is literally inviting it into his body. So, yeah. in his mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, basically, um, uh, I believe they, 
they went through the whole evocation. Um, I believe they had sex um, for part of it. And um, this is the funny part going back to ego. Crowley wanted to be in the submissive for the sex act because he wanted it to reduce his ego, right? Which is an interesting thought, I guess. Um, but clearly you're already riding on a pretty high horse if you went into the fucking triangle in the first place. Yeah, if you went into the triangle in the first place, you are already like pushing a boundary that you should yeah. not push. Yeah, like even yeah. if you are the leader of like the top esoteric yeah. group in the mm-hmm. world. Exactly. Even if you consider yourself a master magician, that's still an insanely yeah. egotistical thing to do. Yeah. So um but anyways, um they summon the demon. Um so Newberg records he heard a voice simulating Crowley's voice call out barbarous names and then blasphemies. Visions appeared within the triangle. First, Newberg saw the the form of a woman prostitute he had known in Paris. I'm reading from a site uh, called occultworld.com, by the way. Um, Just because this is kind of a creepy story. Um, The woman tried to seduce him, but Newberg resisted, figuring it was was Coronzon in his shape-shifted form. The woman then offered submission, which he also rejected. The demon next turned into an old man and then a snake and then into Crowley, who begged for water. Uh, Newberg held fast within his protective circle. So, like, obviously, um, he's trying to trick. Again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, if you can trick people into doing things, right? It's the whole vampire thing. If you can trick a vampire into letting you into your home, you know, like that whole shebang. The black-eyed children are the same way. You have to let them in, you know? Like, they doesn't mean they can't trick you into doing it, though. Right. You're still allowing yourself by not having enough discernment, I guess, to to be to make a choice, make a wrong choice. Um, so he's trying to tempt him basically with all these things. And um, um, basically, this demon, he tries to get him to, to clear his nature, um, I guess, you know, trying to control him, trying to get him to give information about it, because the whole idea, if you know a demon's name, you can control it. Um, basically the demon replied that it spit upon the most, the name of the most high. Uh, he was the master of the triangle and had no fear of the pentagram. He would give Newberg words that the magician would take as great secrets of magic, but would be worthless. Apparently, uh, a joke that was being played by the demon. So again, the whole trickster thing, right? Um, so Newberg invoked Ivas, I guess, looking for some support, <laughs> right? <laughs> Cause they just did something really stupid. Uh, Coronzon said that he knew the name of the angel and that all thy dealings with him are but a cloak for thy filthy sorceries. So this demon has a really creepy way of talking too, obviously. Um, you know, and this reminds me of like exorcist, right? You know, like the head turning around and you know, the whole, your mother sucks bunions in hell or whatever kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> He's spitting out at the priest yeah. and, you know, invokes a lot of that kind of imagery. Um, so ordered again to declare his true nature, Coronzon said his name was dispersion and that he could not be bested in argument. Um, anyways, he starts uttering a bunch of blasphemies, but eventually Coronzon starts throwing sand into the magic circle to disrupt it. that was protecting Newberg, uh, and, and the triangle, I guess, I guess they didn't think about that, you know, you're in the fucking desert. So, uh, there's sand everywhere. Uh, but he, yeah, uh, not the best idea. Not for a protective circle. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, not you're gonna need like a big one. Um, but anyways, so Corone Zone broke out of the 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 triangle. He took the form of a naked man and leaped into the circle with Newberg and like tackled him to the ground. The two fought furiously. The demon tried to tear out Newberg's throat with his froth covered covered fangs. So he's like a rabid, naked man trying to to kill Newberg, basically. Bath salts. Um, bath salts, yeah, exactly. Bath salts, just some bath salts. Exactly. That's what happens. That's what happens, man. Yeah. Uh, he was from uh, he was from Florida. Guy in Miami. Yeah, the guy in Miami. I knew yeah. you were referencing the one that ate the guy's face. Oh god. Yeah. That was so long ago. I know, but I thought that was going to be always it. stuck with me. Me too. I thought that was going to be it. I thought that was zombie zombie time. I thought I was yeah. like. Yeah, we're, ready. yeah, that was that, yeah, we were ready. You know, people eating faces, bath salts. Didn't yeah. happen, but no. Oh well. But anyways, Newberg was apparently able to force Cronzone back into the triangle, and then he repaired his magic circle. Mm. So, um. Anyways, they argued for a bit. Cronzone threatened Newberg with all the tortures of hell, and Newberg denounced the demon as a liar, which is actually something that works, by the way. If you're interacting with a negative entity and they're fucking with you um declaring that they're a liar like using your um your intent and your willpower to like just outright declare that does work uh, mm-hmm. i've actually read different examples over time a really cool example side note there was a woman who was schizophrenic she was hearing voices telling her crazy fucked up shit she started just repeating that's a lie as a mantra and eventually her voices stopped kind of crazy (laughs) but it does work so that's the thing um so anyways the um after a long time at this the demon suddenly vanished leaving crowley alone in the circle uh basically crowley ended the whole uh event um and they burned the circles for for ritual purification and like ritually destroyed them um so basically crowley was possessed by this extremely powerful demon now, um, there's a lot of theories about this, uh, you know, whether it happened at all, obviously, but the, if we're just taking it for face value, um, Crowley declared after this that he had beaten the demon and achieved the status of master of the temple and secret chief, right? So he used this event to kind of propel his ego and his status within the magical yeah. circles yeah. more. Again, going back to the fact of the shit test, right? So, like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so Crowley's new vision of himself was a teacher and a prophet who is to indoctrinate the world with the philosophy of the Book of the Law. And so this is where the expansion phase starts. And that's always dangerous in a way because if they're a megalomaniac, that's when they really start. And that was in 1909. And, you know, a lot of his associates of Crowley said that the ritual permanently damaged him and he was possessed by Corona's own for the rest of his life. Now, I am not one to disagree. I do. He did connect with some other entities later on. Um, I think 1918 was a famous one called Lamb. I was going to just briefly touch on Lamb. He drew a picture of um, it was during these um, what he called the Ama Amalanthra. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, the Alamanthra um, rituals and contacts. But Lamb, they drew a picture of him, actually, and he looked dead up like a gray. You should look up a picture of him if you haven't seen him. Lamb, Aleister Crowley, go to image search, and he looks just like a gray. Now, the interesting thing about that, though, to note, is during that ritual of the Alamalantha or whatever, they 
said that they were opening a vortex or opening a gateway to to contact him and they never shut the gateway down going back to weak points in the ash between the astral and the physical this is like an artificial magical weak point basically is what they created so places like that could you know like you know what you talked about other places obviously like skinwalker ranch and other stuff like that um so in 1909, this thing with Corona Zone happens, and then he's opening up fucking magical portals to who the fuck knows. Um, one of the things I had read about that was that um, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was after the Crone Zone thing, and I think it may have been before or during the Alamanthra one. And this happened in New York, by the way, uh, the Alamanthra ones. Um, which kind of is reminiscent of Ghostbusters a little bit, you know, with uh, Zool and uh, Gozer the Gozerian and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but um, there was something, I can't remember what it was, but there was something about him wanting to connect to the void. He believed he was connecting to the void between our solar system and another one. So Crowley kind of blends the whole UFO and the and the and the and the um, angels and demons kind of thing together too. So um, uh, if I can find it, I'll mention it. But I figure I'll let you take take the reins a little bit on this one, Huntley, since you have a lot of Crowley knowledge. Yeah. Well, I'll try to condense it into ten minutes because we're almost at two hours. <laughs> I know we are. I knew this would be a long one. Sorry. Yeah. Um, with Crowley on, that is like, I'm trying to stay in the parameters that we're setting here because I could go on just like a long yeah. tangent about Crowley. I guess your opinion. Yeah. What do you but think? The, my, my, but my opinion is that I've also heard the same thing of after that encounter that he went from like zero to a hundred in his just general awfulness. Yeah, bad to worse. Yeah. And I think that that it is fair to say that after what happened in the desert changed him. And I'm not sure if there was just like a like he was full on possessed or he just always had like just a sliver in his mind yeah. of the entity. But that's when you start seeing more uh frankly Lots of orgies, uh, like extreme, like extreme orgies, uh, going against people's will, uh, more trickery, more conning, uh, more surrounding himself with people like L. Ron Hubbard and uh, LeVay. Mm -hmm. And I will say this about LeVay. Even LeVay was just like, you're insane and broke away from him. Yeah. And did not it's speak very did not speak very highly of him mm-hmm. in the later years. Yeah. Um and I think that like Crowley's influence and basic framework, he basically created a roadmap for all these new organizations that try to reach out to entities. Uh and it's it's how do i put it he is the uh he is the og he is basically the black sabbath that has influenced Mm -hmm. everybody 
Yeah, of modern times. Yeah. Of modern times. For good and bad. It's not he's all kinda, bad. Well, yeah. And he's kind of <laughs> like, yeah, like, like this his had a similar influence to Edgar Casey is Edgar Casey just on a different spectrum of polarity, right? Yeah. 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 Like, do I think Edgar Casey was a much, much better human than Alistair Crowley? Oh, absolutely. 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 But you see the kind of things that have stemmed from them, the new age movement, the whole love and light thing. A lot of that's responsible. Yeah. You know, so like these different focuses, right? But I think both have been hijacked. So that's oh, my yeah. first. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like all the good things get hijacked and turned into just kind of awful shit. Yeah. Yeah. David, what David. Are you- yeah, I was gonna say, what do you think of this this Crowley? Because we can go on a long tangent here. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really look into Crowley specifically when I was into Satanism, but yeah, this is like not what I thought um, Satanism. <laughs> when I was, yeah, it was much more like uh, again, you know, libertarian free will kind of Nietzsche esque uh, mm-hmm. sort. of not so much the demons and yeah yeah you know there was like some like ritual basically like the version that i got was like levey splintered off and basically said you know mankind is a spiritual creature so here's a bunch of like pagan rituals and gods (laughs) go have fun right Right. and we'll develop this free will philosophy alongside it and that was you know, that's pretty much LeVay as far as I understand it. But yeah, that shit insane motherfucker. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, do you think like do you think that interaction with that demon, like do you think that was real, maybe? Like, I don't know. Like it's, it does seem like a turning point where he went from bad to worse. Where he really went off the reservation and started doing some insane things. Um I, I mean things that would make the podcast explicit yeah 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 it um i you know it very well could have happened um i don't doubt that it's you know not possible yeah just curious go ahead now i have to note as i was talking about earlier of uh crowley and dramatic uh, rituals and theatrics we also have to note that outside of just that he created a persona for himself. Mm-hmm. Crowley did fucked up stuff. I don't think Crowley's a good person, but he also created a persona for himself to yep. magnify that. And, well, and all cult leaders do. <laughs> and yeah. there, and there's speculation that some of his feats as a magician are greatly exaggerated. Oh yeah. Yeah. And likely so. so. Yeah, likely so. So take what you will from the desert story and numerous of of his other contacting and channelings is that there is like, could it happen? No, absolutely. Possibly. Knowing uh, the Golden Dawn and all the things that influenced Crowley gave him, you know, a good foundation to do these things. But there's also that little sliver out there that, you know, Crowley built up a persona he was like called the original rock star yeah for a reason yeah, yeah for exactly. his for yeah. his just debauchery yeah and just like overall just doing all the, let's put it this way you know how people feel about like marilyn like when we were little kids and like preteens how people felt about marilyn manson yeah 
Yeah, exactly. Now yeah. imagine that Dude. times a hundred in real in the late eight in real in the eighteen hundreds in the early nineteen hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Aleister Crowley. Yeah. So I think this is actually going to be a good <clears throat> jump off point for the future because now at this point we touch channelings and cults. And so, like I said, if, um, if my friend Caitlin's able to come on and she can do one on cults and then that would be cool. And then mm-hmm. uh, also we can start touching on possessions cause Halloween's coming up and yeah, Halloween's coming up. We got to do some demon possession. We're planning on doing uh ghost hunting live ghost, like live ghost hunting, maybe not completely live, but you know, filming clips and posting them. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. Set so, on a date. <laughs> we need. We we will we'll discuss that once we end the show. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. my mouth is so fucking dry right now. <laughs> Can't imagine, imagine why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh I guess we'll call that a wrap. Uh, we're the high kind. If you like what you hear, you can find us on any platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, uh, or you can catch us live on Twitch TV slash the high kind. And if you want to see uh, more show notes, go to the high kind.com and uh, check us out on TikTok, high kind pod. That, apparently, that's our biggest social media. <laughs> so, <laughs> somehow, somehow, have a great night.